Hello and welcome to YHTV's Trinity of Life. This is episode 77. I'm Christina Suzuma, your host for this program. Thank you so much for joining me as I continue to explore the wonderful world of healing arts, meditation, therapies, and the many modalities of helping each of us find balance in our individual journeys. We're always excited to meet those who are on the leading edge of creating change on this planet. I just want to take a moment and mention that because of all your support, one of our shows, Magical Medical Tour, is has been nominated um, to be the top health and fitness podcast of 2013. And we would like to invite you to take a moment to vote. Um, there's two days left, actually three days left. Uh, voting actually closes on November 15th. And so you're able to vote once a day as, as uh, we come up close to the 15th here of November. Uh, just go to our site, yogahub.tv, and you can see all the information there on how to vote. And again, we want to thank you for all your support and taking us to this point. Today, we are going to be speaking with Dr. Poonam Chowdhury, who has also joined us before on Magical Medical Tour on episode 73, where she shared her wonderful expertise with us on the work that she does at um, uh, the university and at uh, the hospital emergency that she works in. But today on Trinity of Life, she's going to inspire us with her gift to the global communities on how uh, she has helped them and how we may be able to possibly to partake in these ventures. Now, at any time during this live presentation, you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down in your screen and typing it into the comment box. Or if you prefer, uh, we welcome you to dial into our conference line at 323 Four seven six three nine nine seven. The ID is six zero seven three nine three pound. And if you've missed that and it went by too fast, not to worry, it will show up on the screen during this presentation. Now, some of us go through life uh, knowing what we're meant to do. It is, you know, almost like a calling or an internal compass that drives us forward. You know, some people call it passion. Some call it destiny. But whatever it might be. Today, Dr. Poonam Chowdhury is going to share with us her experiences of healing communities in need throughout the world. It gives me great honor and pleasure to welcome my friend and this wonderful, magnificent spirit of the world, Dr. Poonam Chowdhury. Hello, Poonam. <laughs> Hello, Christina. How are you? Good, good afternoon. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, we're always blessed when you can. Spend some time with us <laughs> in your busy schedule. So, Punam, can you share with uh, with our community a little bit about your background? Um, absolutely. I am uh, Indian American. I I grew up. I was born in the states, but I'm uh, Indian in origin. My parents are from India. I spent some time over there while I was growing up, and then. Uh, um, high school on, or junior high on, I should say, I've spent in the U.S. So I've sort of had a chance to um, travel a bit. And then I grew up here. Um, I did become a physician, as you've mentioned, and um, enjoying life. 
<laughs> yes, like you, you have a, a, a beautiful spirit about you that everything you do, you just seem to love. <laughs> um, Poonam, now uh, through knowing you and through our conversations, you've you've shared with me that uh, you, you were you were raised in more the Indian tradition and the spirituality of that tradition. Uh, now, this is Yoga Hub <laughs> and, and Trinity of Life. So, you know, our audience is, is quite familiar, or some of our audience is very familiar with that, and some of our audience aren't. Can you elaborate a little bit about that for us? Sure. Um, so, I, I grew up, I, I would say I'm not very religious, but I am spiritual. Um, I am Hindu, if uh, you know, it's a philosophy. It's not so much a religion, but um, it's for me the core of um, who I am. As far as um, I, that's what was introduced to me from when I was little, and that's how I've been raised. Um, all of it was introduced to me from my dad. So it came from a parent and um, parents, I should say. But my dad was the center figure in in the family and um my mom and dad definitely put it in my head when i was young that you know um the time you spend with yourself and god is very important and um it can be anywhere it doesn't have to be a temple or a church or anything specific and so they they got me down to meditating and from when I was very little, even probably before I understood what meditation was, my dad just kept telling me to sit down and just close my eyes and just sit and just, and I would ask my dad, what am I supposed to think about? But, um, um, you know, it's, and, and I grew up in a surrounding where I, uh, it's become a part of my daily life. So as far as being Indian, I think that's the most Indian part of me. Um, I, I mean, other than the fact that I know the language and the culture, but I think it's just a, it's a culture that's been dated so far back. And, um, you know, and, and as I grew up, my dad introduced yoga to me and, you know, I do it like, you know, I do it every night before I go to bed. And it's just one of those things that have become so part of my life that um, it's shaped me and it's shaped everything I do. Mm. And through your work, working in the emergency department in the hospital, um, that must really help to ground you. <laughs> Calm me down. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, I have my moments. I'm not always calm, but, um, you know, it definitely in the ER, I think people come in and in distress and not knowing, um, and, and asking for answers and not, you know, physicians don't have all the answers. Oftentimes we don't. And, uh, I think just interacting with people, it's been, it's been, it's one of those things that lets me relate to people. The, the, you know, once you know yourself a little bit better, you relate to people better. And I think it calms you down. And then times of heartache and, and sadness, it makes you feel connected. Actually, it makes you feel connected all the time to people, but it also helps um, people feel comfortable with you as far as, you know, that's my opinion of it, of course. But um, it's definitely helped in the ER. I think it's, 
it's um, it's amazing. I mean, I think I'm lucky to have had a chance to meet as many people as I have and to and interact with people. But, um, you know, it doesn't matter what race, religion, color anyone is. It's the same when when you're talking about um, the core of human beings. So it, it, it makes you relate to people very easily when that side of you, the spirituality side of you is open, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, through your meditation, like like you say, before you go to bed every night, you practice a little yoga. Is that the meditative part? Is that the pranayam? Or is it the physical form of the yoga? Um, the physical form of the yoga, I do meditate uh, at night and in the morning before I go to sleep and, bef- you know, right before I get out of bed. It's one of those things that uh, centers me, has become part of me I uh I can't imagine it being anything different so uh and I've been doing it for years so it's it grounds me and lets me start the day saying that everything is um in the name of whatever is higher than me Mm. so it's a chance to give thanks and be grateful and um put things in perspective (laughs) now did you go through a stage in your life, like through the teenage years, where you didn't do anything like that and you just kind of went out in the world and experimented with all the different things and then actually brought you back um, to your spirituality? I, I think I was 10 or, I don't know, 9, 10 years old where I I was always a little inclined towards this direction. It was one of those things that I, my dad and I have a very good bond about this, and we talk about it a lot. Um, in my teenage years, I think that's the one thing I kind of stuck to. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't ever uh, super religious. I wasn't, um, it, it, but it's one of those things that really made me feel centered and gave me a chance to spend time with myself. And also just develop me. And I don't know, for whatever reason or the other in my life, I've always needed that time. Mm. And it's, you know, whatever hardship or, you know, you go through school, you know, you go through different phases when you're growing up. You know, this is hard. That is hard. Relationships are hard. It's always been something that has been healing and helpful. So I've always come back to it. Um, if I missed it, if I didn't meditate for a couple of days, something always brought me back to it. So I always give things to something higher than me to always bring me back to it. So the answer is yes, but I, I don't think I was gone from it for years at any point. I just think something always brought me back to it. Hmm. Now, did this, did the spirituality, do you feel, had have anything to do with you becoming a healer? Um, I think it's such a tough question because, you know, it was so long ago that I decided about, maybe not even decided, maybe something inspired me, but it's one of those things that came hand in hand. So I've never thought of it as two different things and yet they are two different things, right? So, um, but I think meditation and spirituality is in any profession you can go into. I mean, that is just self-discipline. So it comes up in any form. Um, So, 
you know, I don't think it matters what you're doing. But for me, uh, medicine was one of those professions. How could you ever find a better profession? That's how mm. I looked at it. It was you give every day. You you give of yourself in, in such a way that um, it, how, how could you ask for anything better? So I, I always looked at it a profession of respect and honor. And so it, and yes, today it is absolutely my spirituality and such. They are hand in hand, both together. So um, I'm sure it had something to do with it. So, so it, it's, it's so fa fascinating that you and your sister are both doctors. Mm -hmm. You're the only two in the children in the family, and you both ended up being doctors. and And you were both, no doubt, raised with the same foundation mm -hmm. through your father. Sit down, close your eyes, take a moment, yeah. right? Um, and at growing up with your sister, did you ever discuss it to say, you know, this is how you feel, and this is how she fe felt, and these are the similarities that you both, like the, the road was so similar. My sister and I are similar in a lot of ways and we're very different in certain ways. And you've met my sister, so you probably have an idea. Um, we're very close. Um, but, you know, when we went through uh, our childhood, you know, there were moments where we were so different from each other. And you know, like, fight, and, you know, you go through your phases. Um, we're three years apart, so. Um, but as we've grown older, we've slowly, our, our direction has has just fallen onto the same pathway. She is my best friend. She's, she's, she's a, a very big part of me, and, uh, you know, she has, you know, in all, in our house, she has this room that is the meditation room, you know, and you've got, it's, it's beautiful and it's got, you know, you know, it's like a little temple and it's, it's, it's gorgeous and it's got the, the fountain and you kind of, you can go and meditate at any time you want. It is there for anyone who wants to go in there. So, some way, shape, or form, it's all kind of come back to the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't do anything exactly the same, <laughs> but it's just somehow, you know. And, and yeah, it's true. You know, we were raised in the same household. My mom prays. My dad meditates. They're, they do different things, but, you know, we're all, the core of it is the same. Mm How -hmm. oh, beautiful. Now, so, so here you have, you've gone through school and uh, you get set into wonderful positions. Now, did you ever, when, when did you ever decide that you wanted to take your medicine to different parts of the world? Um, I think I always wanted to, but I don't think the opportunity was very... It was hard because, you know, you go, go through med school and before med school, you're always gearing up to go to med school. And it's a lot of work and you're always busy and you're always doing something. And then you get into med school and you have this crazy schedule. You go through residency and you start working and you're always busy. And so you, you want to, but you don't know how and when. And I always say, you know, the, the universe brings you what you need 
when it wants and you kind of have to open yourself to it. And a lot of times, you know, I just say it out loud and say, you know, this is what I would like to do, but I don't, I don't know, you know? And so a friend of mine, um, started going overseas with a group of, um, nursing students. Um, and so she introduced me to it and I started going in the last three years. So I've been overseas in the context of medical trips, um, to Honduras, Panama. And, um, uh, this last year I went to Ghana. Um, and they've just been fascinating. There've been, you know, times where you reflect and times when you learn a different culture, time to give, but, um, unbelievable experiences that, uh, have uh, definitely touched me and, you know, made it made me realize that it is in fact something that is very much what I want to do um, and make a part of my life. So when you go to these countries uh, part of, as part of an organization, uh, can you tell us what it is that you, you as a group actually do in each sure. of these countries? So usually there's a contact that's already set up. So these organizations, and there's so many of them out there, um, that they usually have somebody from the organization that's already there. They've set up, um, a certain, they usually survey the area that they want to go to. Usually they're rural, rural places in country. So we're not talking about Bhutan in, in Honduras. We're talking about rural Honduras where people traveled four or five hours with their little kids walking and we would go up a mountain and it was crazy. We would take buses and big um, vehicles across like these little rivers and like up the mountain. And our travel was usually like one to two hours a day to get to where they would set up these clinics. And so their makeshift clinics basically take a building and basically we would set up shop. We took a whole bunch of um, antibiotics, pain medications, um, asthma medications, you name it. I mean, there was, um, we basically, the students took up donations during the course of the year, then had pharmacists, then basically bought the meds. Oh, and wow. It's not them. even donated by the pharmaceuticals? Um, some of it was donated, but most of it they raise. They wow. actually raise, like they do um, actual um, charitable things over the course of the, of the year. And they raise the money by all these meds. And then we go down there with all this meds. So you need like special permission and all, all such. And so then you go and we have like, you know, little things like we can open up abscesses and stuff. We have little procedures that we can do. Um, we have IV kits and such if people need fluids. But um, so, and a lot of times we would have OBGYN uh, go as well and um, dental. Mm. So we'll and open up dental clinics and such. And so people would come and so they would spread the word for three or four days. Now of the three or four days, we're going to be there. And so people would come from wherever um, and so anything and everything could walk in through the door. There, there was usually one vehicle there or two vehicles there if somebody needed to be transported to the emergency room. Um, but people are super resilient in these countries, you know? So, um, um, and a lot of times, you know, that people have chronic issues, things that are very, 
Um, I mean, all you can give them is maybe Tylenol and say, you know, okay, pain meds, you know, this is what we have. This is all we've got. And they are so grateful for just simple things. It's just amazing how little um, people have in some of these countries, but it's amazing. It it is absolutely uh, amazing how far people will come and how nice and how pleasant and they share a lot. They talk about their children. They talk about their lives. Women talk about um, what they're, you know, what they do, what they hope to do, what they hope would change. Um, it's, uh, and then it gives us a chance to, you know, uh, learn about the culture and you get to learn about the food, which I love food. And, um, <laughs> Uh, it's, um, and you know, a lot of times, you know, you're in makeshift, um, housing. Mm-hmm. So you come, come back to, to where we are housed and, um, you know, there's no hot water. Sometimes there's no water and, you know, you, you know, it's one of those experiences where you learn that the comforts that we have here is, um, is a lot. Uh, the U.S. has a lot of comforts, which a lot of, you know, the rest of the world doesn't have. And so it definitely for those two week periods, you know, makes you step back and say, hmm, wow, you know, and then you come back and you have you rejuvenated and you feel like you just got a jump start. <laughs> okay. So now uh, we had a question that came in. What is the organization or organizations that you were affiliated with or are affiliated with? Um, we went through Global Brigades, the last three that we went. Um, and I believe that, um, and it's San Diego State students that are going. So now they're going with another um, uh, another organization. But there's there's tons of them. And I know that a lot of schools have organizations already that they go with. Hmm. So, um, it's just a matter of inquiring and, um, you know, and, and just because I'm a physician, um, you know, I'm, it's not just that physicians can go, you know, I had business students go with us and had an amazing time. And so they'd be checking, we'd show them how to check blood pressures and they'd do all the blood pressures, you know, and it, it, it was a chance to, you know, it, one of the, the, the things that happened was one of the nurses who went with us, he, is, he was also masseuse. And so what he did, a lot of these countries, you know, people work in farms and they work, they really, I mean, they're always having aches and pains. And so what he ended up doing, and he thought it was very helpful, was he brought his masseuse, um, he actually brought his table. And so he just set up shop and people who were really having difficulties, he just, he was the um, masseuse. And I was like, wow, you know, that was just, you know, so there's a lot of different ways to give is what I'm saying. And we have pharmacists who goes, uh, go as well. Um, So it's one of those things that, you know, anybody who really wishes to go um, should, should. And, and now through these works do you see the 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 same sort of situation wherever it is you go like it is the same basically rural area makeshift housing that you stay in for two whole weeks and uh the organization i'm assuming supplies you the food and everything and mm-hmm. and it's it's like uh hours and hours of just helping one individual after the other 
Right. Um, usually what we would have is we get there, we get a day to kind of, you know, with jet lag and time changes, we kind of have a chance to kind of settle and then people go through the meds and you, you a lot, you know, they, the students actually, what they do is they make bags of the meds, little bags and you a lot, how much goes into what, you know, you usually give out two weeks supply. Um, in any case, so, and then you start going to the actual, um, clinics and the clinic days are, yeah, you start at you know, seven in the morning and you're going until five, six, um, depending, you know, depending on how many people show up and you stay until you, you know, you, it's safe. You stay until it's safe because most of the times you want to come back to the camp by dark. Mm. And, um, you also, um, you want to serve the last person, you know, you want to make sure you're getting everyone. Oh, so, so where they set up what we would call like a base camp. Um, and so it depends on each place, like in Honduras, it was an unmarked area. They didn't want people to know where we were. And they had like, um, a military guy there with an, you know, AK gun, like in his hands, because they were like very protective over us just because of all the, you know, overseas Mm -hmm. stuff that happens. So, you know, um, but, you know, in Panama was a little bit less rigorous, but, um, their makeshift housing had something had happened to it. So we ended up staying in the, ch- um, uh, uh, an area a priest gave us. So it had a little church and then there were housing around it. And so we ended up using it. Um, so things happen, you end up kind of, you know, going into whatever situation that comes your way. Um, in Ghana, we ended up staying in a, um, a little compound area. Um, Ghana was a little more populated where we were staying as far as what was around us. It was more of a city, but we would travel to the rural villages. Mm. Uh, so, and the good part is you get to sometimes go to orphanages during one of the days to interact with the kids, play soccer. Um, and then other places we ended up going doing house visits. So we talked to the families and what they, you know, what their lives were like, what they would like to see change. So it gives you a real chance to interact with people. So, so this is not just setting up one base camp, one clinic, and that's where you're staying for two weeks. You're actually traveling throughout parts of the, 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 <clears throat> country or that area to be able to reach out to other people. Right. And, you know, usually these um, organizations are usually taking people back every three or four months. So it might not be your school. It might be another school that's coming in. So they keep reaching out um, to different um, populations in these countries. So um, it's just, you know, and I know I have friends who's gone through their church. um, And so there's, very different um, organizations and you just have to kind of get a feel for what's um, comfortable for you. I I think what was helpful for me was that I went with a friend. I went with a friend I knew and, um, you know, especially as a female, you were going into a country um, that sometimes, you know, doesn't have, you know, you're, you're, you're not sure what's going on, but going in a big group, I think is important and going with at least the first one with a friend so that you just know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone who's done it before, right? Yeah, exactly. 
that's how she got me to go. So, and I'm very grateful for that. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, and I, I hope that I get to go to India at some point just to be able to, um, go back to, you know, the roots Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and help and -hmm. help the people over there. I'm sure you could organize that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, so what happens, uh, when, when you go to this country and everyone and you have these two weeks supply of antibiotics or whatever it might be, what happens at the end of that supply? If you know that that individual needs more help? Well, usually what they'll do is they'll have a follow-up of some, some sort. There's usually a local clinic or nurse or doctor that's there that comes every, I don't know, once a week or once in 10 days. So they come and check back with that doctor. Um, I mean, to be honest, some of it is spotty. It's difficult to say, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, usually, you know, if something's that dire, we'll tell them, you know, you need to travel to the hospital that's closest to you, which might be five hours away. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need to get this treated, we can just temporize the situation with some antibiotics. But um, otherwise, we'll just say, you know, come to the local clinic and check things out. Um, The hard part is that the local clinics are staffed, uh, spotted. It is a Mm -hmm. very spotty thing. And so, you know, and that's part of the thing that you have to relinquish when you, unfortunately, when you go over to overseas, because Sometimes the follow-up is very difficult to do. I saw a woman um, in Panama, and she came to me, and she said she had a breast mass. And I said, okay, so I'm I'm seeing her, and she's got this fungating mass on her oh. right breast. And it, it's been there for a while. I mean, there's, and I'm just looking at her, and I'm thinking she's got breast cancer, and I um, told her, you need to go to the nearest hospital as soon as you can get there. And you need to get a mammogram. I'm trying to explain everything. And, and she's understanding. And she told me she was going to go. Now, there are those people from these organizations that actually stay there. They stay for a year or so. And they're supposed to follow up on these referrals. And so um, I don't know the end story. And some of, some of the times I have inquired, you know, what happened with so-and-so and sometimes I get an answer and sometimes I don't. So it depends on whether they follow up and what happens. So you can only do so much, but, um, and, and a lot of it is cultural, you know, um, breast cancer, cancer. I mean, these, these sort of things are very cultural and people handle it in different ways. So, um, you kind of have to stay within the boundaries of the culture. So you have to go there and you just don't infiltrate the area. You kind of stay within their boundaries of their cultures as well. So I read up a little bit. They, you know, the organization usually is pretty good about telling you about what, what to do, what to not do. You know, Ghana had said, um, there were certain colors you don't wear Mm. certain colors you do. Um, so it it was, you know, you, you you learn a lot, Mm. but, um, it's a different world, you know, and, uh, you learn a lot and I mean, no question. So how, how can you see others like, uh, for example, someone like myself, if, uh, if I wanted to support one of these organizations or go over to help, 
I mean, what is the best thing to do? I mean, I have no doctor background. I have nothing like that of the sort. I mean, can we go? Can we help? Or, or can we support someone like you on these ventures? Um, sure. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, my friends will be like, oh, I'm going overseas if you guys want to donate. You know, um, a lot of times I, I mean, I pay for my way over there. Mm. Um, I pay you know, whatever sum that, um, supports my travel and, and my food and lodging. And it's my way of kind of donating. Um, but you know, I think each person, you know, I, I say Google, just Google it and say what trip, you know, medical trips. And there are water brigades that go, there are people who go law firms that go, it's kind of interesting. Um, so the answer is yes, anybody can go. Um, the other thing I tell people, you know, sometimes people can't travel and it's not possible. You have children and, and, and such, you know, the UN has, um, you just go online and the UN, you can volunteer online. Hmm. And, um, this is something I do. Um, I've, um, you just type in, I can't remember the exact, um, uh, but it basically, if you go online, um, UN volunteer, it has a site and you make a little, um, you, you log in, you make a little login for yourself and you basically say, you write down what your specialty is or what you would like to help with. And I usually say medicine or, um, you could do, um, English language. You know, if you're bilingual, you can say, you know, I know two languages, what's their job. And you can teach classes online. Um, to children overseas. Um, I um, did um, in Uganda, there was a, uh, we made, there was a group of, I don't know, five or six of us who made books for teachers and children um, about HIV and healthcare, common things, fevers, colds, what to do, mm. sanitation. And um, it was an amazing project. And I got to work with all these great people and I wrote sections of it and did PowerPoint presentations and it was something that the the teachers could use and it was a children's book as well so I think there's just a lot of opportunities out there it's just you just have to kind of just go online and just look mm -hmm. um certain organizations work for certain people others don't um you just kind of have to go through and ask around. It's it's interesting how many people have gone on these trips. Just ask, keep asking in your social gatherings who's gone and if you can go with them. I think that's the easiest way because it's kind of daunting to to just say, oh, I like that trip and I'm just going to go and I don't know anyone. So I think the first one, it's always <laughs> helpful to go with someone who's done it before. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I kind of have to go with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was a little nervous, uh, but it really helped that my friend had gone to Honduras and had gone with the same group before. So it she was like, oh, I had a really good time. You know, this is what it... And she could realistically tell me, she's like, look, there's no hot water and the water's <laughs> a little sketchy, but, you know, they give you food and this is what happens. And, you know, I was prepared. I think she was very... Um, adventurous and, um, you know, did it, you know, went her the first time on her own. And, um, but, uh, you know, the opportunity is there. You don't have to be in medicine to do it. I think it's a way that we can connect with the world. 
Mm, absolutely. I, I think it's just brilliant. Uh, brilliant the way uh, groups of people will move forward to do that. Uh, which brings us to this event that has happened over in the Philippines recently. Yeah. That, so, that level of devastation. It's it's hard to watch, you know, and um, disaster areas, to be completely honest, I do think you have to have training to go in and help. Um, and even then, I think it's even even then to face disaster zones, even when you have you're in the medical profession, it's a totally different thing. Um, but it's, you know, my heart goes out to to those people and I just, you know, you can only pray and hope that they get, you know, that there's some relief and we can bring enough relief. But, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's just even hard to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, quite quite amazing. The, the, as we, the little bit of the news that I actually am able to consume, you know, the, the pictures, the devastation, the numbers, the rising numbers of casualties and um, the homeless, 600,000 at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the numbers, it's so hard to even fathom those numbers. That's the thing. You can't, it's hard as a human being to understand the numbers mm-hmm. because it's just, you know, your your mind, it's, it's hard, you know, to actually, it is just the grief and the sadness in, in those, in so many parts of the world. But I mean, it's just hard to watch the news at this mm-hmm. point to just even see what's going on um but i you know donating in these situations always helps i think um you know you worry about clean water and food and people even getting food um and you worry about children i mean it's just you know it's um it's one of those things that you know they need a lot of help from around the world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely um so so as a physician as you said, what you just mentioned was there is a whole nother type of training to enter these zones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I know that the Red, Red Cross offers like disaster, you know, training and such. I mean, for me, if I went into, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable just going in and helping because to be completely honest, you know, these places have uh their environment has a different set of disease that is most predominant in the ter- time of disaster they have. You know, mm. certain things are more prevalent. You have to be educated. Otherwise, what ends up happening is you become, you yourself can become, get into a position where you're in danger rather than helping. You're just, you're not another number. But um, so reading up and actually getting involved is very important but uh, doing it in the right way is important as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um punam after traveling and through your travels you know what what kind of changes would you like to see in the future um if you well, if you <laughs> well you know if if you, you know. Right. I don't want to say if you had, had a magic, magic wand. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and this was uh, something I was thinking about yesterday. You know, um, it's interesting how far we've come when it comes to the electronic media and internet and mm-hmm. everything's. You know, something happens. 
um, in India, it's uploaded within seconds on <laughs> Facebook or, you know, whatever social media. But you look at how many people are dying each day from, I don't mean from natural disasters, because unfortunately, those are certain things that sometimes aren't preventable, mm-hmm. but things like a war and civil war and people killing each other, children, you see pictures of children dying, like in masses, mm-hmm. it's impossible to bear almost. It's kind of like, or school shootings, <laughs> it's just, just things that, you know, we talk about meditation, we talk about yoga, we talk about all these things. And the ultimate thing is that you're at peace inside and feeling the, feeling your place in this world. And, um, I, it's some, it's so hard to watch that in mass, there's so many things that are happening that is, there's so much unrest Mm -hmm. in some ways. And, um, we've come so far yet we've lagged so behind in, in, uh, the humanistic part of, um, ourselves, Mm -hmm. I think. And so I would love to see that, you know, we, uh, as in the human race can calm down, put our egos aside and, um, you know, can be able to agree or agree to disagree, but be civil in that disagreement in, in the world and be able to not just, you know, uh, in wars, you know, the, the wars need to stop. It's just one mm. of those things that just isn't getting us anywhere. And it just seems like we're just seeing mass casualties, people dying, people's lives getting destroyed. And it's only making the people who are left from, from these, these, these mass situations, angry, bitter, and causing more hate. And it's just kind of one of those things that is just catapulting into a situation where, you know, it, it just shouldn't be this way at this point because we are all able to communicate so much better because we can reach each other so much better. We can pick up the phone and call each other rather than, you know, mailing each other letters or, you know, or social media, you know, and we are supposed to be more um, patient, right? We're supposed to be learning learning about other culture. We are so much more involved in other cultures and we see people from different cultures and we invite people from other cultures into our homes. But yet in the mass scale, there's so still so much going on um, that it would be really, I would be really happy to see in my lifetime that people in general and the world has, it's just calmed down the wars and the civil wars, especially, and just, you know, neighbors fighting neighbors. It's just one of those things that we, we talk about being patient, but we just aren't. <laughs> we aren't. <laughs> no, you know, living in Los Angeles, just driving through the traffic here, um, that gives you an idea already. <laughs> just, you know, just five seconds, just say, you know what? Okay. You know, it's okay if I don't get here two minutes before or, you know, if I don't get my coffee, you know, within this much time. It's just one of those things where we just kind of chill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there is two parts to all this uh, social networking and and things that things are moving faster. Very much so. You know, it's not the days where we can... um, leave our home, do our errands, Mm. 
come home to our answering machine to see who's called. Right, exactly. You, now it's like the phone or whatever device vibrates. Oh, someone's trying to get hold of me. Right. <laughs> oh, here's my message. And it's a whole different pace. Mm-hmm. And so much so that it's it's almost like ramping up people's energy to to a level where where yes the meditation or the breath or the stillness that they need to reach it's that balance mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. on that scale of of introducing that other side to say you know just take shut everything down just for 5 minutes <laughs> Maybe that's what it takes, you know, just to start out with saying, you know, at 9 p.m. everything shuts off. You know, I shut off everything and it's just my time to spend with, you know, okay, my significant other or just to go and take my space, maybe some space with, you know, if you are a musician, this is the time I spend. It's just one of those things. Different people have different ways of meditating and it's just what works, you know, but um I don't I don't know what the answer is as far as you know the grand scheme of things but you know it's hard to watch you know I I was uh it's been hard for me to watch the news lately I uh um was telling my fiance about it and I was like you know I I it's very difficult because it just gets you so it, it's like it's like so dire and upsetting mm-hmm. and you just it takes you a while to even get yourself back into mm-hmm. your own life and get you doing what you want to do because it's so crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, um, so I, I think, yes, I agree. I think, you know, you get a text message and you feel like, Oh, this person said this and you have to immediately answer it. And, and sometimes if you just took a, two, you know, two steps back and thought about it, you probably wouldn't be sending that text message back. And so, um, <laughs> Sometimes, you know, taking a little bit of a breather and stepping away is, is very important. But I think in if we do it individually, maybe as uh, as countries and as nations, we do it. Um, but um, I, d- I just wish that, you know, I feel like it hasn't changed. You know, we haven't changed as people. I mean, history shows us war after war has not gotten us anywhere. And yet it's still happening. And somebody's threatening somebody that if you don't do this, you know, and it's just one of those things. It's like, um, we're not going to get anywhere by doing this mm-hmm. over and over again. It's just history repeating itself, um, over the same issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, if they just start trying to alter the history, our ch- children are learning. <laughs> Correct. Oh, right. they don't need to learn that anymore. It's like, pardon me. Yeah. <laughs> do you really exactly. want this to repeat itself? <laughs> And sometimes it's not even presented or even acknowledged, you know, and then sometimes the children aren't learning mm-hmm. um, certain things that have happened in history. But, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I definitely see a lot of, uh, you know, Americans, you know, come to me and they'll talk to me about yoga. And, and it's one of those things that I've seen that has flourished here mm-hmm. um, relatively recently. Um, and I think it's amazing how, the Western world has sort of, you know, grasped it and, and, and has, you know, let it open, you know, take, you know, come into their lives in, in a very positive way. So it's, um, it's, it's very nice to see. Um, and you know, it's, it's in other countries too. There's so much poverty in other countries, you know, sometimes when you have, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from Mm. or when you're going to, what are you going to, 
feed your children, you know, these are not the thoughts you're having. You're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully, you know, people will, you know, in my lifetime, I would like to see there being a little bit more, uh, uh, less poverty in the world. I mean, as as, um, innocent as it is to say that is one of those statements that people make, but um, it's true, you know, it's Mm -hmm. true because we are very blessed in this country and uh, it would be nice to see other people have some of the stuff we, we get to enjoy every day. Mm-hmm. I very much agree with you. Um, Panam, is there a moment during these travels that you can remember that you feel has really made you shift in your own life? Um, I, I think... There's been so many, to be completely honest. I think even in the United States, you know, as I've been practicing, I've come across so many people and so many things that have happened, little things that I reflect on later on, and it has changed me. Um, You know, things, you know, as far as because we're talking about overseas trips, you know, I've had um, in Ghana, there were, um, there was a little girl who said, you know, I I was asking all the kids what they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, Mm. And because most of these children, you know, the girls were getting pregnant when they're as teenagers and then they were part of the family um, and they didn't really work. They were, you know, I mean, they were mothers and and they took care of um, their families, but they didn't get to, you know, go and have a career. And uh, this girl said to me, I want to be a doctor like you are. And, Mm. you know, I thought wow, you know, and for a moment I was like, wow, I'm so proud. You know, it just kind of gives you the little oomph. Um, but, uh, there was a, there was a little kid who also said, I want to be president, um, of the country. And I was like, would you let me back in? That's what I asked. <laughs> he was like, yes, you know, and, um, I'm like, are you going to remember me? And he was like, yeah. Um, but you know, these, these kids have so many dreams and aspirations and, um, sometimes you just look at them and you think, if you only had a little bit of what we are given, you know, free education, um, an opportunity, um, what they would be capable of doing. And so um, I think the kids definitely change who you are because they're so, you know, they innocently tell you what they feel. There's no, there's, there's you know, and so I, I think the children have been a big thing for me because it's been an amazing adventure to meet little kids from different, um, communities. And, uh, uh, the other time I had a really good time was that I played soccer with, uh, a couple of the kids in the orphanages in Honduras and it was just fun. It was a lot of fun. And, um, they just get so into the game and, you know, everything else is forgotten. doesn't matter where they live. doesn't matter what you do, who you are, you are playing the game. And that is all that matters. And, uh, it takes you out of your life for a moment and takes them out of theirs. And, uh, it's an amazing place to be. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. Children have a way, a magical way of, of touching our hearts, their purity. Yep. Right. It's lovely. Well, Punam, thank you so much for honoring us today. It's been truly a pleasure to learn about this whole other side of your travels and your life that uh, you just 
share and continue to gift communities. I mean, you really gift yourself every day. <laughs> it's not just overseas, but here, here in San Diego and wherever you go, it's, it's really lovely to know you. We're very honored by you. And uh, we hope that we can support what it is that you're doing continuously. Thank you so much for having me on. And it was an honor. Thank you, Poonam. Again, we are speaking with Dr. Poonam Chowdhury and uh, having her share her travels with us. And we would like to thank Segovia Smith and the Yoga Hub team for making this all possible. And to each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. And we are always grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us live on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. May I remind you to help us with our uh, nomination for the 2013 Podcast Awards this year. Please visit our site at yogahub.tv. And from that point, you ha will have all the instructions on how to vote. There's three more days left. And hopefully our magical medical tour will um, gain more and more recognition uh, for what it is Dr. Glenn Woolman and I continue to do and forge forward. And also, we invite you to um, come to our site. And actually, right now, you're able to subscribe uh, for daily uh, podcasts, basically, or the weekly podcast. You'll be notified through your email when the new podcasts are up. So um, go to our site and click away. Again, we're also grateful for any feedback or suggestions that you might have. Give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste. YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. That it's your, your family and your doctors and your caretakers and uh, friends and the people around you that, um, that see the positive uh, happening and are there to nurture that. Um, it's not, if you have to go it alone, it's going to take you out. We just don't have the individual strength, I don't believe, to handle some of the, the dark side. Um, you, need a, you need the whole group to go to the dark side with you and help you uh, come back.